Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sue Allen. Um, actually, for those of you who do know me, I'm still Sue Allen. <laughs> um, we've got a great story to share today. It's the story of David and Goliath. And it's in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'd really encourage you to read it in its entirety for yourselves this week. Um, you will get so much from it. But today what I'm going to do is I'm going to retell the story and then draw out salient scriptures that are going to help us learn um, about faith that overcomes. So you appear to be sitting comfortably. I will begin. Israel's enemies, the Philistines, are occupying one hill. The Israelites are occupying the other hill and a valley lies between the two armies. Goliath, a giant of a man. The Philistines' answer to the Terminator on steroids steps forward. He has a challenge. If any of the Israelites can defeat him, then all of the Philistines will admit defeat. But if he defeats that one Israelite, then all of Israel will be the Philistines' subjects. Well, the good news is that the Israel army is full of mighty warriors, but the bad news is they're all wetting themselves. <laughs> David is there, delivering cheese, as you do, and he notices that the uh, Israelite army are focused on how big Goliath is compared with them. But, Jesus, uh, but David is focused on how big God is compared to Goliath, and he offers to fight Goliath. David's jealous brother is right in there saying, who do you think you are? Get back to herding sheep. And Saul states the obvious and says, but you're inexperienced, you're too young to fight this giant. But David is irrepressible in his courage and his boldness. Goliath says he's going to snap David like a twig and feed him to the birds. But David responds with, you don't stand a chance against my God. You're the one, Goliath, who's going down. Goliath steps forward to attack David. But quickly, David gathers up some pebbles and chooses one to put in his slingshot and he hurls it at the giant. <gasps> Bad news for the Philistines as Goliath falls down dead. Very good news for the Israelites. Thanks to David, they've just defeated the entire Philistine army. Now, David and Goliath is a really famous story we love it. It's the underdog overcomes, the goodie overcoming the baddie, and something inside of us says, yes, count me in, because we love that kind of justice. Something deep inside of us resonates with, yes, I'd love to do something big for God. I'd love to vanquish evil. In fact, the Bible encourages us to do that. It says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The trouble is, when the rubber hits the road and we face a problem, we're often like the Israelite army and we're quaking in our boots. 
Uh, Joyce Mayer puts it really well, and she says, we all want great testimonies, but for most of us, we have a test, and all we get is the monies. <laughs> so, how did David rise from being this unknown shepherd to become a man who went down in history as being a giant slayer? What can we learn from him so we have faith to overcome, and we can move from fear to faith? First, a disclaimer before I start expanding on the Old Testament. Because of the full revelation of Jesus, we now know that we're not meant to throw stones at each other. Our battle is against flesh and it's not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Those are the evil forces that we are up against. Uh, but the Old Testament has a lot to teach us on how we can apply those principles to overcome the giants that we face. So, what did David teach us? The first step that David teaches us is for victory, we have to surrender. Surrender to God. No, surrender not in the sense of give up in defeat and saying, oh, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. God knows my address. So if he's going to overcome my problems, he can. And if he doesn't, well, it can't be his will. No, that's not faith. That's fatalism. And that's nothing to do with the Bible. The kind of surrender I'm talking about is trust. And when we come into a relationship with trust with God, then we start to co-labor with him. We're working with him against the forces of evil. Now, the Israelite army in the story were theoretically the armies of the living God, but only theoretically because we can tell by the behavior that they didn't really believe that God was with them, that he wouldn't come through for them because they were quaking in their boots. However, David, obviously, in the back of beyond, had learnt that God was with him. He, he, he believed when God said, I am with you. He believed that that was truth. And in David's everyday experience, when he was facing um, wild animals as he was protecting his sheep, he'd seen time and time again how God had been there for him and protected him and given him that victory. And so in the passage of 1 Samuel 17, we see David declare, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Through personal experience, he learned he could trust God. Now, years ago, when my two children were very young, I had a baby and a toddler. I was struck down with ME. It completely incapacitated me to the point where I was spending about 20 hours out of every 24 hours in bed, and I became an invalid overnight. My world had fallen apart. The prospect of no longer being an active part in my children's lives was a cruelty beyond description, and I blamed God. After all, I looked around, and I could see that there were perfectly healthy criminals robbing grannies and smashing up phone boxes, and there I was, wanting to serve God, wanting to be a good mother to these kids, and I didn't have enough energy to put one foot in front of the other. I became very angry and very bitter, and above all, very afraid. 
Well, this went on for about eight months, um, uh, during which time Emma Powell helped Steve with my kids. And uh, to her, I am forever grateful. And also, Rosemary would often come and visit me. And on one of her visits, Rosemary said that she had a word from God for me. And it was Romans 12, verse 1. It said, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to him. Well, that made me seethe. How dare he say I had to give him my body? My body was useless. But Rosemary suggested that I meditate on a scripture. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I am with you. Well, because I respected Rosemary so much, I did as I was told. <laughs> and that evening, over and over and over in my mind, I was going, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I am with you. And suddenly, I felt him holding my hand. I actually felt him. So much so that I looked expecting to see him. Couldn't see anything. But I knew he was there beyond a shadow of a doubt. And for the first time in eight months, I actually was free from fear in that moment because I knew that he was holding my hand. And so that night, I said to him, Lord, I don't understand this. But I know you're with me. I know you're with me. Please, will you help me overcome this problem? This is 25 years ago. It still gets to me. <laughs> I told him that I trusted him. And that was epic for me. And guess what? The very next day, a friend of a friend put me in touch with a ministry who was seeing people healed from Emmy. Well, back to David, and the next secret we learn from him is to silence discouragement. You see, David was Teflon-coated to other people's negative comments because he was so focused on God. Now, faith is often misinterpreted by insecure people as arrogance, and we have to accept that. And sure enough, David looked as though he, when David looked as though he was going to volunteer to fight Goliath, his brother, who was jealous, was straight in there saying, who do you think you are? Get back to those sheep. In other words, how dare you have faith for something that I don't have faith to believe for? Similarly, King Saul was full of earthly wisdom, but he was so earthly-minded that he just stated the obvious to David, and he said, but you're too young and inexperienced to defeat this giant. David ignored the discouragement, and if you are going to maintain hope in hopeless situations, you too have got to ignore any discouragement if it contradicts the word of God. If you can have faith that overcomes, you're going to have to believe God's word is ultimate truth, despite circumstances, and despite what other people, no matter how well-meaning, no matter how much worldly wisdom they have, you've got to focus on the word of God for faith. Now, often the biggest discouraging voice that we hear is in our own head. 
is the voice of self-doubt. As we, we start to believe that we're, we're not on God's radar, we're not significant enough for him. After all, he's got much weightier things to concern himself with. But remember that Jesus died for you, for you, you as an individual. You are significant to him, enough for him to die for. He died for you so you could be reconciled to him and so you could stand with him against the forces of evil. As the Apostle Paul tells us, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Back to my story. Once I'd come to a place of trust in God, I then had a choice. Was I going to believe that things could actually get better? Could they? The medical profession were saying that I might not get better, and in fact I was getting worse. And uh, well-meaning people were saying to me that it was God's will for my life to be like this. It was then that I had a really weird dream. I dreamt that there were serpents, sorry, um, snakes and scorpions going in and out of a wall beside me. And um, somebody came along in this dream and tried to sell me insurance against the snakes and scorpions. And I woke up and it was so vivid. I thought, wow, God, what was that about? I had no idea. But that same day, I came across a scripture that I'd never noticed before. It was Luke 10:19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Suddenly it clicked. God was telling me not to buy the insurance of the people who were trying to protect me from disappointment, so to discourage me from believing for healing. God was actively encouraging me to believe that with him I could overcome this illness. Other people's opinions no longer mattered to me. I wanted to know what God said on the subject. And the next of David's secrets is his song of worship. Music is spiritual. People knew that back then. And uh, the prequel to this David and Goliath story is when Saul was tormented by an evil spirit. And the antidote suggested to him was that he should find a skillful musician to play worship to change the spiritual atmosphere. And David was found. David was a worshipper. In fact, David wrote a lot of the psalms that we have in the Bible, songs of worship. David, in between um, looking after his sheep, slinging stones at these uh, bears and lions that came along, and in between delivering cheese, obviously was worshipping God. Worship is one of our spiritual weapons. In Psalm 8, it says, From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise, that they may silence the enemy and the avenger. In other words, the weakest among us can overcome the enemy through worship. Worship declares our allegiance to God, which drives back the enemy. And worship helps us focus on how big God is, so our problems get in their right perspective. 
But even more than that, worship attracts the presence of God with all his supernatural power. Now, the ministry I was put in touch with is called Sozo Ministries. And Sozo is a word that appears in the Bible and it's uh, translated in various ways. Um, it's either translated healed, saved, or whole. It's interchangeable. Sozo. And uh, that's what this ministry stood for. And they taught me from their cassette tapes, because it was back in the day, um, that the power of worship, the supernatural power of worship. And on one of the tapes, I listened to a testimony of a lady who had the same condition as me, but she was in a much worse state. She could hardly move. But she got herself to a healing meeting, and she was lying in the back of the meeting, and she heard the minister say that God heals in worship. So she thought, right, if God heals in worship, I will worship. All she could do was wiggle her toes. So she wiggled her toes in worship. And guess what? God healed her. She was so recovered the next day that she walked from her hotel down to the beach and was baptized. And when I heard this, my faith went through the roof. I thought, if God heals in worship, I'm going to learn to worship. So I took the Psalms, I took a Psalm a day, and I underlined all the verbs in the Psalm. And whatever it said, I did. So whether it said, sit, or stand, or make a joyful noise, or lie, or raise your hands, or whatever, I did it. Because I wanted God to heal me in worship. David. The next secret he teaches is the power of scripture. You see, in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed, fully revealed. But in the Old Testament, he's there, he's just concealed. In this story of David and Goliath, David's ammunition is pebbles, rocks. Does that ring any bell? Rock, who's the greatest rock? Who is the ultimate rock that we stand on? Jesus. I think this bullseye shot is a picture of Jesus who is to come with the ultimate victory against evil. And Jesus teaches us in Luke 4 that when he faced the evil one in the wilderness, what were his ammunition? He didn't throw stones, he threw scripture. And that is our ammunition. And so as Jesus was in the wilderness wielding scripture at Satan, Satan had to back off. And it has the same power for us. Now from those cassette tapes, I was learning that we need to study the Bible for ourselves. The lady on the tape was saying, don't just go by what you think you know about healing. Don't go by what other people tell you. Find out for yourself. So I did. I spent the next six weeks reading about healing and sickness in the Bible. And after that six weeks, I concluded beyond a shadow of a doubt with absolute glee that uh, God hated sickness as much as I did and he wanted me well. I wrote healing scriptures on post-its and put them all around my house. Um, I did what they said if it was something that I could act upon. And over that course of its six weeks, I began to get better, just glimmers. I was able to sit up in bed for longer without feeling dizzy. And I was laughing again. But I was still very, very weak. 
and I needed supernatural help. That brings me to the final secret of David and Goliath. Because the final secret David teaches us is the power of the Spirit. You see, with God's appointing of David as the future king, came God's anointing. Now, in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 3.13, we read, So Samuel took this horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, and the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. That was the difference of the Holy Spirit. In picking a fight with David, Goliath was actually picking a fight with God. Now, David was remarkable in his day because only a few people in the Old Testament were actually anointed by the Holy Spirit, only those specifically appointed for special tasks to equip them. But the amazing news is, as New Testament believers, because we come after the point in history at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, when you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have that giant killing potential inside of you already. And so to the last installment of my story, I booked into a worship weekend that Sozo Ministries were running at Weston, where I knew the sick would be prayed for. And after the first meeting on the Friday night, I was so, so convinced I was going to be healed. And after that first meeting, I was just as sick as when I came. And I was distraught. And I went to bed and I cried. The next day, it was a residential, a hotel. I got up and I got out my healing scriptures again. And I spent the entire day reading them. And Steve came in with the kids later on in the afternoon and I said... Do you know, as far as the Bible is concerned, there is absolutely no reason why I'm not going to get healed. And before that evening meeting that night, I opened the Psalms, Psalm 149, and, it, and I read, dance before the Lord. And I thought, that's crazy. I can hardly stand, let alone dance. But again, I'd resolved that whatever it said I was going to do. So I went to that meeting, and I stood at the front, and I sort of swayed around a bit. Actually, it's not much difference to how I normally dance. <laughs> and the minister came along, and she put her hand on my forehead, and she prayed for healing. And as soon as she did, I felt as though I'd hit a wall of power, which knocked me right back off my feet. And as I lay on the floor, I could feel surges of power going through my body like electricity. And as I lay there, this big grin was on my face because I knew I was healed. I resumed normal life after that, even though there were some tough battles ahead when the symptoms tried to come back. And I had to put all this stuff that I've been talking about today in practice daily. I had to surrender to God every day, say, I trust you. I had to silence the voices of discouragement of all these symptoms that were coming against me. I spent my time worshipping, declaring the truth of scripture over my body, over my life, over my family. And I asked the Holy Spirit to strengthen me when in the natural I felt like death until all of the symptoms backed off and stayed away. Now, in conclusion today, 
I'd like to point out something that should encourage all of us. You see, David took five stones, not just one. He didn't know that the first one would score the bullseye. His attitude was, I'm going to kill this giant, or I'm going to die trying. If we really believe that God is with us, and we're on his side to defeat evil, then we need to give him our full commitment. So we either see victory this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, but all our earthly life is given to seeing victory against evil. So whatever in your life is your giant, whatever is stealing, killing, destroying, all those things that Jesus came to destroy, stand up against them, trust God, rely upon the Holy Spirit, because he has made you, by his Holy Spirit, by his grace, into a giant slayer. So do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good.